0: Welcome to the Northern Business Podcast, formerly Business Unmuted. This is episode number 100. As ever, it's sponsored by Virtue Motors, one of the UK's largest motor retailers. Check out its website at virtuemotors.com. I'm your host, Graham Robb, owner of Recognition PR, one of the longest established PR firms in the North East. Each week, we'll be talking to people in business and economic experts about big issues affecting our region. And make sure you never miss an episode. You need to subscribe on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. In our studio today, we've Elaine Stroud, Chief Executive Officer of Entrepreneurs Forum. Uh, entrepreneurs Forum is one of the biggest networks for entrepreneurs in the Northeast. And down the line, we have Andy Ward, Market Senior Partner for Leeds and Bradford at Price Waterhouse Cooper's PWC, who's been working on the business case for social mobility in the north of England. And down the line we have Rob Parsons. And uh, Rob is the Northern Agenda editor at Reach PLC and presenter of the Northern Agenda podcast. Well, well, first of all, Rob and Andy, welcome and welcome, uh, Elaine. I've got to start with you, though, Rob. Your podcast is getting a lot of attention. Why do you think it's important that the North has its own pol- uh, politics and economics podcast? We do sort of business. You sort of blend business and public of, public affairs don't
1: you
2: yeah i mean our, our the northern agenda podcast is is primarily i guess a a, a politics podcast and it, it, it's an extension really of the northern agenda the wider brand which started off as a a newsletter created by reach plc which people might know is the publisher behind the manchester evening news and newcastle chronicle liverpool echo and the idea was we wanted to create a Bring the politics coverage from those titles together mm-hmm. into one brand that really talks about the big political issues uh, across the North, which is you know a very diverse area, but has a lot of uh, you know the same issues crop up time and time again. And there are you know there are political podcasts, there are political newsletters, but are, we we thought that a lot of them are quite Westminster focused, focused on the sort of uh, palace intrigue. At Westminster. So we we really wanted to uh, ha- use our platform to look at some of the big issues affecting the north of England and that's what we've been doing for the last uh, two years or so.
0: It is a must follow, by the way. You should subscribe and follow if you don't already. You get a lot of insight into a lot of things that are going on in the north. Now, I know that uh, there are, th- there are you and I, for different reasons, were at UK Reef last week, the uh, real estate infrastructure and investment forum uh, that was held in Leeds and uh, it was a, mostly about property and, and place what, what kind of things did you think when, when you saw it and you looked at where the, the north of England is presenting itself what impression did you get about how we present ourselves that's an interesting one I mean, there
2: was, uh, it, it was a really big impressive uh, event and it, it was interesting to see not just big cities uh, but also you know, smaller towns really putting their, their best foot forward and try, trying to present the Sort of investment opportunities that uh that are there I, I saw sort of presentations by the likes of oldham and wigan as well as sort of Leeds and newcastle so it, it was quite varied in that way and i guess it shows that it's not just the big cities where uh, you know which are rife for investment i mean one of the uh what, part of the reason i went to uk reef was there was a big report being launched um but which i think is of, of a lot of interest to people in the North, but launched by the Northern Powerhouse Partnership and it, into a subject that is very close to a lot of people's hearts up here, and that, that the, the, nor- so the, the so-called Northern Brain Drain, i.e. the tendency for young people in the North to see their futures not in this region, often in London, down south, maybe in, in, in increasingly in Manchester, but not in the area where they live. And the people behind this report, they surveyed hundreds of young people about where they expected to to go in their lives and 44% of them of 16 to 21 year olds said they expected to have to move elsewhere in the country to improve their career chances um and um there I mean there's a few interesting items in there there was a big bit of a gap between sort of cities and towns in terms of uh, young people's uh, views on sort of whether leveling up was benefiting them and what their uh, their aspirations were Tees Valley came out of it quite well, actually. Like Young people in Tees Valley had a bit of a, a more positive uh, view. And, um, but, yeah, there was, it, there was quite a range of, range of views. So I, thought, I thought it was really interesting.
0: I thought it was interesting as well. And full disclosure, my firm helped promote it, but you, you, you didn't know that at the time. But it was, it was nice to hear you talking to the experts that had done the research and to look at some of the... Uh, the fact that this has gone on for so many generations now you know, you and I, are, we're not young people, but our generations had the same brain drain, didn't we? And and uh, the objective is to stem the brain drain. And the levelling up agenda is trying to do that, but in the minds of a lot of these young people isn't quite cutting through yet. Yeah, I mean,
2: I, I, I suspect that if you said the levelling up agenda to a lot of these young people, they would probably look at you, look at you blankly, which maybe is a bit of a reflection of, sort of where that whole agenda is sort of in the public perception uh, at the moment but they a lot of the young people who spoke to this report and who I heard from at UK Reef were talking about similar issues transport was a massive one like the unreliability of uh, bus services and train services which I know is a big issue particularly in Bradford which we'll be hearing about later and um, and just the the lack of uh, knowledge about the types of Sort of higher skilled jobs that are available locally that might tempt a young person to stay i was talking to a young very impressive young 19 year old guy from middlesbrough who had taken it upon himself to find out about degree apprenticeships and so forth in his part of the world but he was saying that most of his peers don't know about these things and even in areas where there are jobs and there are opportunities not enough people know about them. So I think it's it's a perception issue as well as being an actual, you know, issue about the actual lack of opportunities that there uh, are in some of
0: these places. I think you've hit on something there, Rob. I was talking uh, to a, a daughter of a friend of mine who's going to apply for a place at university. She'd applied for a medical place and not uh, got accepted for a medical place, but had been given a good place in a northeast university studying biology. And the question was, well, what job could I get with biology? yet all around the northeast there are quite a lot of farmer firms that have unfilled vacancies which are very high paying that require biology it is it is it is that the vacancies are there and so there is a feed stock and it is about perception isn't it this interesting point about town versus city was also fascinating you look at leeds and manchester sheffield and newcastle which are a magnet to younger people particularly around universities and nightlife and social life. And yet the towns uh, feel a, a sort of drain away. So whereas you may have a brain drain away from north to south, you can also have a drain away from town to
1: city.
2: Yeah, I think that's totally right. And I think that is, um, I mean, if you look at Greater Manchester, for example, like there's no disputing that Manchester is a, a, a buzzing, vibrant place. People are, are clamouring to... To work there, but I think the the challenge for policymakers in Greater Manchester and Andy Burnham you know the mayor there is to uh, make sure that you know the outlying boroughs continue to get the benefits from that sort of Oldham Rochdale and so that part of that is ensuring that there are highly skilled jobs to be found in those areas, not just in the city centre but also ensuring that the things like the sort of softer side of things that keep young people in a place like not just the job opportunities, but also the culture, the leisure, uh, you know, the, the, the things that make life enjoyable, uh, those, those have to be there as well for people to, you know, consider that they have a, a viable future in a, in a town or city.
0: Now, you were talking to the Chief Executive of Bradford Council and uh, she was she talked about transport and so on, but she also talked about the sense of place, the city of Kilcherbid, and how that had enlivened Bradford, and uh, she was absolutely positive and optimistic that some of those impressions by young people in the survey could be tackled by the opportunities that were in the pipeline.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, Bradford has got the City of Culture coming up uh, in in a couple of years. Uh, so has, there's a lot of exciting work going on there. And I know we're going to be hearing soon about how uh, PwC is setting up a big base in, in Bradford. I heard something interesting this week, which is that Bradford, uh, the University of Bradford, has is home to the largest uh, artificial intelligence student population in the country that's not students who are powered by ai students yeah. studying yeah. ai uh who uh, and and yet yeah, the, the postgraduate program at bradford is one of the biggest in the country and so that's just one of the many positive things that bradford is doing to try and uh, carve out a bit of a niche for itself i mean there's well documented issues in bradford you know the 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 lack of uh, good transport links, particularly to Manchester. It has been holding the city back for, for years and we're still waiting to hear what the government is going to do after not deciding not to bring Northern Powerhouse Rail to Bradford. That's been a long running sore. We mm-hmm. still don't know what the solution is. Uh, is to that. But there's a lot for Bradford to shout about, I think.
0: Oh, well, you've teed it up nicely. Let's talk to Andy. Now, Andy runs uh, PwC in, in West Yorkshire, don't you, Andy? And, and The firm, first, a bit of an overview of the firm. It, it's obviously a full, one of the big four uh, uh, accountancy and uh, financial advisory firms uh, for business. And um, wh- Where do you see your market currently in West Yorkshire? How do you, how do you see the economy of the area?
1: Yeah, I mean, the economy of the area uh, struck pretty badly by COVID, but has started to recover from that. And as people begin to get back to, shall we say, the traditional way of working or at least a hybrid way of working, we now start to see city centres improving. Clearly the disparity still exists between the north and the south and, and recently our Good Growth for Cities report which came out earlier this week, which I should advertise, you should all read and, and, and digest, that covers 50 cities around the country of which seven of which are in Yorkshire. And there's some really positive aspects around what's happening in Yorkshire, there's well placed high up on the work-life balance agenda which people feel important. I should say that the Good Growth for Cities is not just based on GDP, it's about income, relative income income disparity between cities and infrastructure and other things like that. Um, it is encouraging but clearly when you still see that uh, report there is still a, a north-south divide and indeed within the region disparity between the cities so there's work to do that. I believe that's partly government policy in terms of devolution or in investing in infrastructure to allow people to be able to travel better and more easily across the region. I think Rob already highlighted the difficulties between getting to, getting to Manchester from Bradford and vice versa, and I think until we address that, we will always be restricted. I think we also need to be a little bit more positive and think about the positive opportunities here. I don't know, it's a northern thing that we talk ourselves down when actually there's some magnificent cities, great work potential workforces, and some real technic, technological evolution uh, going on within the cities, as, as Rob says, the artificial intelligence in Bradford University, some of the medical stuff in Leeds, and high-end engineering in Sheffield. You know, so there's a lot to be hopeful of. There's
0: a lot of sector especially... Oh, I mean, if you look at Yorkshire, it's got a population the size of Scotland. Uh, it's yeah. our Texas. It's the UK's Texas, isn't it? It's, <laughs> it's kind of independently-minded, yet stridently entrepreneurial as well. There's a lot of data that it does very well on, as well as the issues that we've already looked at.
1: Indeed, and I, I used to spend I spent some time living in uh, in Texas, so I think I can just about get the uh, the between the two. And the other thing I, I would add as well is just around renewables and the opportunity there. We often see some of you know, the Humber energy renewal opportunities there, but I think that's something the region has to grasp. Mm. You know, things are changing; they are changing rapidly. We've talked about technology and AI. Well renewable energy has now got a very quick momentum and, and the region needs to be part of that and, uh,
0: on on transport you've already mentioned transport and so did rob uh, and um i i noticed lots of people particularly in public policy making are now automatically discounting the car i think it was on your podcast one of the public officials from one of the councils said of course we don't want people to travel by car yet um I mean, this is this podcast is sponsored by a motor dealership, so expect me to say this. But you know, in the northeast of England, we have a very important infrastructure when, when it comes to automotive. There's a huge automotive alliance here. Um, the the motor vehicle changing in its technology, to have policymakers automatically say that it's only about public transport rather than to provide roads and proper links. Uh, that's the way orthodox thinking is going among some public sector. Young people don't learn to drive yet here in the northeast and in Yorkshire. If you are going to be in business and meet customers, learning to drive is actually quite a good skill.
1: Yeah, I think it's still paramount. Um, you know, I am slightly biased. I do work with a couple of train operators. So, you know, I've got to be careful what I say here, but I think that there's room for everybody here, but across the board, improvement needs to be made. The rail infrastructure needs to improve. The road infrastructure needs to improve just the ability to get to places, so it's attractive. If you're an investor landing either at Manchester Airport or Leeds Bradford Airport, people need to get somewhere quickly, efficiently and effectively. That makes a big difference to their investment decision.
0: Now, you uh, at PwC are focusing on the issue of social mobility. It's one of the, mm-hmm. your, the themes of your practice at the moment, as well as working with the big firms and your clients. This is one of the things you do. Um, so what what is it that you're trying to do? How are you trying to contribute towards... A, a better a situation for people who don't find themselves as socially
1: mobile as others. Well, I think a good example is is the one of the offices I look after which is our Bradford office which uh, has got just under 200 people working within the city centre now, we opened that back in 2019 and despite the best efforts of Covid we're now prospering in that office we perform back office professional services functions and um, you know, we're very proud of the effort that we've made there because it's providing professional jobs for people within that city. Um, as Rob highlighted, you know, there's some real positives around Bradford. In fact, it's one of the youngest cities in the country. So in the, in the war for high class talents that is going on within the service sector these days, we think Bradford is a great opportunity to be able to recruit and, and work within our organisation. I think the social, the social levelling up part comes because we're a little part in Bradford's uh, ability to create aspiration for people and provide those jobs often in somewhere like Bradford. They want to stay in Bradford but they disappear because the opportunities are in London or culturally they have to stay in the city and if there aren't professional jobs on offer they'll then take other other courses which don't necessarily maximise their talent so you've
0: got this back office function that mm-hmm. you're you're putting into breath. how many jobs do you aspire to create and have there eventually
1: well we currently have 200 but uh we are hoping to you know increase that you know between excess of 500 over the next coming years now, um, what, should...
0: what i find interesting and and worthy of a, a really big round of applause here is that a professional firm has decided to take that level of jobs, don't outsource them abroad, but bring them in. That's the first point. You still see banks with uh, back office functions abroad. And not go to AI. I, there was a big announcement from British Telecom with 30,000 jobs lost over the next uh, 10 years or so, uh, where I, AI is the default. But you've decided human beings, In I'm sure you will have AI for some functions, but you want the back office to have people to run it.
1: Yeah, and I think you know we need to embrace AI just as every other business, and we have indeed done so. Some of the, the things we do use technology more efficiently and effectively. But what that leaves is for people to do more skilled jobs, analytical jobs, and use the technology that we that we have in place in order to provide a better client service. Andy, so some of the things. I was just going to say some of the things we do in Bradford are you know, kind of claims management, which you can use some AI for, but you still need the human touch, the human instinct and the human response.
0: Yeah, claims management involves stories, doesn't it? It involves hearing people, particularly if there's a distress involved. Okay, right. Andy and uh, Rob, just hold on, we might come back to you in a minute, but I want to introduce our studio guest, who is uh, Elaine Stroud, Chief Executive of the Entrepreneurs Forum. Just a quick elevator pitch for Entrepreneurs Forum for people who don't know it. I know and love it, and I'm still a member of it, so it's great.
3: It's great to have you as a member. So, we're a membership organisation for owners and founders, as you know, of Northeast businesses, and we've been in business now for 21 years ourselves. And what we do is we bring those owners and founders together and we provide them with the inspiration and motivation and all the things that you can't get when you're essentially a lonely person sitting at the top of the tree of your business, we give you that inspiration and that motivation to keep going.
0: There's criteria as well, it's not just any founder, it's not just a man in a van who works on his own, it's it's a business where you employ people.
3: Yeah, that's right, so it's businesses that employ people, those that have turnover of more than 250k, in fact the average turnover is about 6 million, but it does go up to the likes of... Um, Margaret Bar- the barber which have 100 million turnover mm. and everything in between.
0: And your average turnover for your
3: It's, members? it's about 6-7 million something
0: right, like that. By the way there's nothing wrong with men in vans I don't want to be a job snob. <laughs> I perfectly appreciate their contribution to the economy as well. So uh, you have inspirational events where the people uh, in the forum gather together, share stories, swap stories, and there's a big conference this week. Tell us about the
3: conference. Yes, yeah, so we've got a conference tomorrow, actually. We have 220 delegates coming to um, Hardwick Hall, which is not far from here. And we have, we're going to just basically throw inspiration at them. We have speakers like Kanya King, who set up the MOBO Awards, coming to talk to members about her journey. Um, The third employee of EasyJet, is going to tell us the orange story and how they got the planes up and running. And and lots of stories, it's all about telling stories. So going back to the AI versus human, we love the human element of it. We love hearing people's war stories because there's always someone who's experienced that challenge that you're facing today. Mm. And if you can hear how they dealt with that challenge, perhaps you can not make those same mistakes.
0: Now we were hearing from Andy about where the economy is, and this uh, today we're recording this or live if you're watching live on Wednesday, the 24th uh, of May. And inflation figures are out. Inflation has fallen, it's its at lowest level since March 22 now, which is good, uh, but there are still indicators of interest rates going up. The, the consensus of the, uh, of the forecasters suggests 5.5% is where the peak is going to be at interest rates. Now, all of that is the weather. But when it comes to dealing with the weather your entrepreneurial group of people tend to get on with it better than others
3: i think that's right we do survey the members once a quarter and our level of optimism so that's do you feel more optimistic about the next 12 months for your business usually sits around 80 percent and whereas most business surveys they're happy if optimism's about 30 40 percent at the moment so but that's because we've got a, a peer group of businesses which are in that growth phase so they are continuously expecting to grow and they're telling us they're growing and therefore they can see through those challenges and they look at something like inflation and say yes there is inflation but actually the cost of living is lower in the north than in Mm. the south so therefore that's an opportunity Mm. Um, and and always seeking those sorts of opportunities. Andy,
0: you have a large cohort of clients and advice that you give to different organisations. Do you see any difference between the level of optimism between a larger organisation that maybe is a bit more set in its ways and the younger, more dynamic, smaller businesses that you might be involved with? And I know you don't always do smaller businesses because you're a large firm, but I know you deal with owner-managers.
1: Yeah, we, we, we work across the spectrum from small startups with great potential to the, the larger, mature corporates. Um, I mean, I, I'm always impressed by businesses because they just roll their sleeves up and get on with things, particularly at the startup end, they're kind of fearless. Yeah. Let's just do it. Let's move on mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of don't show the, the scars of previous history, which is kind of refreshing. But, you know, if you think about the last three years, we've had a pandemic. Uh, the war, you know, the war in Ukraine is ongoing. We've got a cost of living crisis, and yeah I'm really proud of the businesses in Yorkshire because, in the main, most people just roll the sleeves up and get on with it. Mm. And despite all of that, you know, there are opportunities out there, and there are new businesses appearing all the time. And the larger corporates are coping you know, with change, as, as you've alluded to, AI will be changing businesses again in the next three to five years. So uh, I, I'm always impressed by that, and, and certainly the startups, the fearlessness, and the let's get on with it is is, is just brilliant. Rob,
0: can I just put something to you as well? Uh, and that is that when it comes to the northern agenda, one of the things that isn't always on the northern agenda, because the politicians don't talk about it as much, is the number of businesses, the business population. Now, there is a bit of regional data that's published once a year, which is the business population per 10,000 of people. And in the north of England, it tends to lag behind London, where it's up there at 1,500 per 10,000. In the northeast, it's down at sort of five to 600. Yorkshire it's a bit better, 900. The business population is important, though, uh, in my view. What, what's your view?
2: Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. And it, it comes back to another issue that perhaps doesn't get talked about that much which is uh sort of productivity or mm. you know this whole gva gross value added measure that uh is is one of the thing one of the things that the country as a whole lags behind other nations in and a large part of that is how regionally unequal uh we are and, and, and yeah you're right the, there's, there's fewer businesses per head of population in uh in the north of england and also that each individual worker, uh, each individual person produces less contribution to the economy uh, in a lot of these areas, although there are exceptions. And, and I guess it, it comes back to all the issues that we talk about a lot in the Northern Agenda. So it's, you know, the skills that uh, that young people have, it's the, the transport links, uh, it's, you know, the, the types of jobs that are, are available. I mean, it, it's, it's a, it, there's not just one thing that needs to be tackled to sort of bring those numbers up it, it it's a sort of, and, and I guess that is what the leveling up agenda is is supposedly uh all, all about which is why i I, w- I would like to hear it on the national agenda a bit more than it is at the moment
0: Rob Andy thank you very much Elaine look have a great conference this week for thank people you. who are listening to the repeat on uh, Sundays and at the weekend it was a brilliant conference <laughs> wasn't it brilliant but I'm sure it will be uh, now we'll just close with a new segment on the northern business podcast my colleague uh, Josh Havakin will be talking to people who are doing things in business given this is our 100th episode we wanted to hear from our sponsor so earlier this week Joss caught up with Robert Forrester from Virtue Motors.
4: Hello Robert, so Virtue Motors, uh, which mostly trades as Bristol Street Motors, Virtue Motors and Macklin Motors, has become the UK's third largest motor retailer in the recent years. I expect all of our viewers and listeners will have heard of Virtue Motors, but they might not know a little bit about its history and where it's come from, so I wondered for them, could you just give us a a little bit of a potted history from, from when you started to where you are now? Sure. Um, there was a small group of us in 2006
5: um, set up uh, a company from scratch. Uh, we went down to London and got uh, funding via an AIM-listed uh, cash shell. So we're on the London Stock Exchange. We founded a company in Newcastle um, and started buying dealerships from 2007 onwards when we actually acquired Bristol Street Motors, which was quite a large Midlands-based group uh, with some national presence. And since then, we've grown quite substantially. So today we've got over 4 billion of turnover, um, 7,300 employees uh, and a wide range in geography from Glasgow to Orpington and Kent, uh, from Fife down to uh, the depths of Cornwall.
4: And now, obviously, there's other brands that you trade as which are more niche to particular industries, the taxi centre, for example. Um, and I know that obviously you're making quite a wide spread across all the different retail sectors that are involved in the motor industry, parts, as I mentioned, taxis before, um, now leasing with the uh, VW Financial Services. So there's so much happening. The motor industry is moving so fast, no pun intended. What is it about Virtue that you think makes you such a, a fierce contender and has got you to that kind of third largest position?
5: Well, I mean... We've got a very strong team that's been in place you know, for 17 years. The core is the same, um, and that helps. We've worked together for a long time, uh, over 20 years for, for a lot of the core team. And we actually enjoy what we do. We like the car business. We like the van business. You know, We've now got 6% of the UK van market, for example. Um, we're into motorbikes, and, and we just like the business. It's not the easiest business in the world. There's a lot of challenges, but every business has. Challenges, you know, we've been through a global financial crisis and a global uh, lockdown, um, but we enjoy what we do and we have fun doing it. Uh, we have a lot of energy, um, and the business is on a very stable footing. We've got very low level of debt. Um, we've just completed our biggest acquisition and integrated it pretty well. So, you know, we're excited for for where we go and the, the change prevents you know presents opportunity really, doesn't it?
4: Yeah, absolutely. I know you talked about having that kind of um, that consistency through with the team but I know behind you you've got your uh, Virtue Motors values mm. and I know that's something when you have um, award ceremonies and you're recognizing mm. your colleagues that you build into it do you think that having values that you know is instilled in every every colleague across the group is important in bringing together that cohesion?
5: Uh, undoubtedly I think I mean you know we've been going 17 years and our definition of sustainability is far more wide ranging than just environmental concerns. Um, it's all about the culture of the business and doing the right things. And I wouldn't say, you know, it'd be impossible to say that at every moment in time, every colleague and every leader in the business follows the values. I, I think that would be insane. Uh, but we we adhere to them and we stick to them. And actually, colleagues in the business, if they see something happening that they think isn't part of our values there, Uh, either contact us directly or we have a whistleblowing hotline and it's almost self-policing. So you'd like to think if somebody came into the business who didn't have our values, they'd smell the coffee and disappear fairly quickly. So, you know, our values are crucial to us. Uh, it, It creates massive benefits in terms of colleague satisfaction, customer satisfaction and speed of getting things done if you trust people. You can get things done a lot quicker than having to put a load of bureaucracy in place
4: mm-hmm. across
5: 190 dealerships to try and prevent
4: people doing things on the assumption that they're crooked. Absolutely. So 17 years ago, you went to the city with this ambition of consolidating the UK motor retail market. You're now third largest, 190 sites at my last count. Um, these acquisitions in the southwest, you've just mentioned, the high profile um, recent acquisitions, your last update saw you top four billion in revenue, profits just under four million. It's a hell of a story. What's next?
5: Yeah, so we we're just under forty million in terms of profits last year. We've obviously got the acquisitions to add on top this year. Uh, so I think the analyst consensus was around forty-eight million for the for the current financial year. And that the, the answer is more of the same. We've got to weave our way through technological change with electrification. Uh, We've got to weave our way through different uh, initiatives by manufacturers and different types of business models at the same time as, you know, selling cars and selling hours and delighting the customers. And, you know, our business is fine if our customers are happy with what we do because they'll come back. It's just absolute pure basics of the business, which is operational excellence and uh, consistency. And I think that's what we're
4: about. Uh, And the more we are consistent across the business, the better we are. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much for your time, Robert. Um, We're going to go back to Graham now just to finish off this first episode of the Northern Business Podcast. Thanks,
0: Joss. And that's it for our 100th episode of our podcast, Northern Business Podcast, formerly known as Business Unmuted. Don't ever miss an episode. Like it, rate it, subscribe to it on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. And join us again same time next week.